What's good, y'all? I am Ja So Focused, and this is This is episode 48, and this is a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing niche news of the week. If you want to find us on our socials, you can check us out on Twitter at the Next Take. Then you can go to YouTube, search Nick's Take Videos to find us. If you'd rather follow us on Instagram, you can find us at the Knicks Take. And last, you can check us out on Facebook at Knicks Take Media. So first and foremost, I want to wish all of the mothers a happy Mother's Day. Uh, by the time this is released, Mother's Day will have passed, but just wanted to wish all of you beautiful mothers, uh, bringers of life, a beautiful day, beautiful month, beautiful year. Thank you to all of the mothers out there on behalf of all of the fathers and all of the men and all of the sons, brothers, etc. Happy Mother. As you can see, we, we're running a solo pod today. French will be doing his draft pod next week. And this week will be me. This is part one of the Knicks Take Draft episodes. <laughs> Speaking of French. He got into a car accident before I started recording. Got into a car accident actually yesterday. Uh, he's okay, but um, not really having a great time right now. Going to have to probably uh, think about getting a new car. So uh, everybody, uh, you know, send your support over to French at this time. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Right. So today, as I said, we're going to talk about the NBA draft. I'm going to break it up into several different parts that I have part one is going to be just touching on the top four. I'll go into all of them a little bit, you know, semi in depth and give you a some kind of an idea as to their strengths and, and weaknesses. It's sort of kind of like what we did before, but this time I'm going to tell you, give give you a little bit more detail on these guys, give you, you know, just kind of position more than just the positions and how good they are. I'm going to actually talk about their game a little bit more. I'm going to talk about their height. I'm going to talk about their age. And I'm going to talk about their fit, uh, you know, on this team, potentially. Then I'm going to get into the potential picks from five to eight that I think that the Knicks will definitely have to or probably will have to trade up to get these guys. If any of these guys fall to 11, you probably pick them at 11, uh, you know, just with the talent that they have. But these are guys that if the Knicks definitely are trying to get in this draft, they're most likely going to have to trade for them. And I'll give a little brief uh, explanation as to who they are. Very, very brief, even briefer than my uh, discussion on the top four guys. Because these are guys I don't think the Knicks are going to actually be able to acquire unless it's for a trade. And when it comes to the actual draft, we'll have the draft podcast and we'll actually talk about 
which guys we think are going to be available to us, depending on what happens with the lottery. First of all, we'll, we'll probably get into some of these guys at, with the draft lottery podcast, which will be in two weeks. And we will also talk about them on the day of the actual draft. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, but after the draft lottery, that will be our final episode. We'll have the draft lottery episode. Then we'll be on hiatus up until the NBA draft you know, happens. And then we'll have that draft podcast episode where we will return and we'll keep going throughout the summer. So we'll talk about more of these guys if the Knicks make a trade before or during the draft lottery or a little bit after the draft lottery. We'll talk about a little bit about these guys, but I don't think that the Knicks will trade or make a trade up until the day of the draft. And then when we, when whoever the Knicks pick, we'll talk about those guys in depth and we'll talk about some guys that they could have picked. So I'm just going to give a little, just giving you my reasoning as to why I'm only going to give brief descriptions as to who these guys that are probably out of the Knicks reach unless they make a trade. <laughs> um, that's why I'm not going to go that far into depth with them. I don't think that the Knicks make those make the trade, especially for one of those guys. I, I don't think it's a wise idea to trade up to, to get a guy unless you feel like they're going to be stars. And yeah. Another thing I'm going to talk about last, the realistic option that the Knicks have at the 11 spot. I'm going to talk about two guys that I really want to get in depth on as far as why I like them. Not necessarily saying that they are the best options at this spot, but you know my reasoning for, I think, why I like them, why the Knicks probably should take them if they're there. And I'll then talk a little bit, uh, very briefly about some other guys that the Knicks could pick at that spot and why those guys are not really my choice for who I would pick at that spot. There is one guy who kind of, I probably could have talked myself into making him that third guy that I go far and go really into depth with. But I think right now where I'm at, I'm good with my two guys and every, everybody else is just, you know, if you like them, Hey, that's, 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 that's fine. But there's a reason why I don't pick them at 11 at that spot. So let's, let's go back to the top four. So as we've said numerous times on this podcast, that top four in the NBA draft and this NBA draft, it's not changing. Um, you know, there was a potential, there's a potential chance that during March madness, somebody shot into that top four, somebody fell off the top four, but these four guys are really just so good that it was going to take a lot for them to fall out of the top four or for somebody to fall into the top four to take one of their spots. First guy I'm going to talk about, I've made no bones about who I really hope the Knicks get if they happen to fall into that top four. That is Jaden Ivey, a 20-year-old elite point guard. Six, Excuse me, he's not a point guard. He's an elite guard, 6'4", with elite point guard potential. He's incredibly athletic. 
jumps out the gym, shot the ball very well to start off the year after shooting poorly the year before. He occasionally sleeps on the defense, but he is great when he he you know has a sense as to what's going on. If he's locked in, he's going to be a good defender. 17.3 points per game, three assists per game, 2.6 turnovers, which is not great, but five rebounds per game, 46% from the field goal, and 36% from three. Those are his numbers for the for his college season this year. And that just kind of goes to show you the, the kind of guy that you're getting. So scorer, he can pass even though he's not a point guard. And he jumps out the gym and he uses that on both ends of the court, on offense and on defense. He'll rebound the ball. I think he has the clearest potential to be a star in the league, just playing the way that he plays. I think that it, everything that he does just automatically translates as a guard, uh, a guy who can just come in and be that starting guard. And you don't have to worry about whether he starts at the one, starts at the two. He's just, he's going to show up and he's going to show why he he is picked in the top four. I I really don't see a situation that Jaden Ivey ends up in where he doesn't just come in and automatically start and automatically start scoring and and just blows everybody out of the water. All of his highlights, you see him running, you know, top speed, you know, in transition. And once he has a lane to that basket, he's jamming it it either on you or around you or something, but it's just flashy as hell. He's very good with the ball in his hands and with a clear A to B, you know, I'm going to get to that basket, you know, by hook or crook or, you know, jumping into the air or whatever. He, he's just that good. He can shoot. He can, he can hit, he can shoot from three. He can shoot from mid range. And as I've said, he can dunk, he can finish. I really don't have much to complain about when it comes to Jay and Ivy. The, the shooting kind of is the biggest question mark for him. Even though he shot it well to start the year, he kind of started uh, tapering off. And also, he doesn't take care of the ball specific, particularly well, which kind of hampers his ability to play point guard. But I'm not worried about that. I think that when he comes into the league, he gets into a situation like the Knicks. You know, if he if he comes into a situation where the development is there for him, I think that with all of the tools, it's going to be very easy for him to make that transition as a point guard. And at 6'4", that's a great size to have as as your starting point guard. And even if he comes to the Knicks and he he's not, doesn't really have to be defined as the point guard. I, see, I can see him as a guy who can play next to Emmanuel quickly, play next to RJ, play next to Obi Toppin, play next to Mitchell Robinson, and it's going to work. It's going to just... It'll be like putting him, it's putting a piece in the, of the puzzle, the last piece of the puzzle right in. He does everything that, you know, quickly and RJ cannot do at the guard spot. And I think that he can set up Obi Toppin and, and, and you know, uh, be a threat to open up Obi Toppin when he, when he rolls to the rim. You know, he can you know, stay behind the three-point line, and that'll open things up for Obi, open up things for R.J. Barrett. I just really like the fit. I just really like the fit. If you have Mitchell Robinson on the court as well, it's very important to have that, have a guy who can hit the three. And as I said, Ivy has been able to hit the three. So 
I'm just going to move on from Jaden Ivey. He is my preferred pick if the Knicks go into the top four. If the Knicks happen to pick top two, if they happen to pick one or two, I that's going to be tough for me because I still feel like that is the pick. But there's these other three guys. They just do. They're so different from Ivy just because he's the only guard out of these top in this top four that really belongs with these other guys. Everybody has him slotted as a top three or top four guy. Nobody really has him as a top two guy. When I look at these mocks, when I look at look, when I look at everybody's draft boards, but uh, it's just really tough to compare. But with the with the Knicks having a clear need for a guard, an explosive guard, a star potential guard in the starting lineup, for me that just makes it the easiest choice. But if you want to if you want to take a look at maybe a Jabari Smith, the guy that I have as my next biggest acquisition in the draft if if Jaden Ivey is is not available. I think he's really, really good. 18 years old. He already, you know, while Ivey looks and plays like a star, I think Jabari's skills and abilities probably make him the likeliest to become one. I don't know. I know that I said that Jaden Ivey has the clearest potential. That's just because of how he plays. Jabari Smith, though, he can shoot from everywhere. Uh, he's a sniper off the catch and, and off the dribble. 6'10", tough shot maker, good defender on the perimeter. He's not really great in the paint down low, right? But if you need a, if you need a score, if you need a score, somebody to hit a jump shot, that, you know, that's the guy who can do it. He can do it one-on-one. He can do it off the catch. Anything you need him to do to make a shot, that's the guy, that's the guy that I think, yeah, you know, he's got the height, he's got the the size, he's got the shooting ability to really off, off you know, be maybe more like a, a KD type guy who you can't stop him, right? You can't stop him one-on-one. You're going to have to double him up. You're going to have to try to get the ball out of his hands. And that's going to make things really tough for your defense. I think out of the four guys, Jabari Smith probably has the 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 skills already to off, you know, right off the bat, just do that and just make guys game plan for you. You know, you're going to have to game plan for Jabari Smith with, with his abilities. When he has the ball, the ball in his hands, you're going to want to get it out of his hands. And if he capitalizes on that, you know, early in his career, he's going to be a star. Like it's, it's not a question and he's probably going to be a star for years to come. Now, the thing, bad thing about Shabari Smith, outside of the fact that he's not really great in the paint, he's not great in the paint. When I say that, it's it's really offense and defense. Like you are not really expecting much from him as far as being able to post up. He's not going to post up and score. He's not gonna he's not gonna drive to the basket and score well. He's not a great finisher. But also, you you're not going to be able to ask him to defend a lot of guys down low in the paint either. So he's not really going to be a five. He's not going to be a center in this league. He's just going to get abused down low. You're probably going to have him more as a super tall three or a four, you know, if he, once he gets his strength down pack, but yeah, until he does that, he's really, 
you know, not built to play down low. You're really going to have him out on the perimeter. And there's not enough playmaking, you know, it, to really see him be that kind of KD guy where if they double him, he's probably going to cause a turnover. And he's going to have to get over that. He's going to have to be able to handle the situation and pass the ball and see the defense. It's going to really have to be able to pay attention to those types of things in order to be a star in this league. Because once they game plan for him, if he has no adjustment, he's just going to, going to be a liability. Uh, with that being said, I also like his fit on this team next to R.J. Barrett and Obi Toppin. I think that his ability to shoot the ball is going to make things extremely good for R.J. Barrett. If Mitchell Robinson's on the team, it's going to make it extremely good for Mitchell Robinson. He doesn't have to worry about guarding the paint or anything if Mitch is there. So that's going to be good. He fits right in. Uh, he's going to be, uh, you know, as 6'10", 3 next to a 6'10", Obi Toppin, who's hyper-athletic and can do all of the things that he can't do. I just like the way that fits as well. It's not going to address the the guard, you know, spot, but I think if you shift RJ down to the two, make Jabari Smith the the three, and make Obi the four, I think that works just as well as a Jaden Ivey being the two in that spot. He give he brings something different onto this team just by being a taller guy who can hit shots from anywhere. You know, he's kind of what we kind of hoped that Cam Reddish would be, you know, on this team. Cam Reddish is not the shot maker that Jabari Smith is, though. You can't have too many of those tall, tall guys, though, who can hit shots. That's the thing. I really like Jabari Smith. He's a, he's a guy who is all over everybody's board. Some people have him one. Some people have him fourth. Really tough to kind of designate where he's what he's going to be. But as I said to begin with, he is 18 years old. You know, this the sky really is the limit with a guy that. Next up, I have Chet Holmgren, the 20-year-old center, seven-foot, lanky, shot-blocking menace. He does things on the court that he doesn't look like he should be able to do. I feel like he's probably going to have issues once he starts putting on some weight. And, you know, I, a lot of people are, are concerned that with his appearance that he's going to be injury-prone and all of that stuff, even though he doesn't really have an injury history with as skinny as he is so he's really like basketball slender man it, you know it, it just being menacing on in on def, on defense blocking shots and you know staying with guys in the perimeter and being very you know you know balanced on on that end of the court um chet chet is just a mystery because he doesn't look like a guy who should be dominating in the position that he is. But the, the problem, I think, when I said that I think he's going to have issues when he starts to put in weight, I think a lot of guys, you know, I've seen it in other sports. You know, you're when you're at, at a size where you're dominant, but you feel that you need to get heavier or you need to get stronger and all that stuff. If your body is not meant to make that kind of adjustment, you know, you're probably more likely to hurt yourself doing that than staying at the weight that you're in. 
Some guys are able to do it. Some guys aren't. And I have a feeling that when Chet tries to put on some weight, that's when all of the con injury concerns are going to start happening. I have nothing to base that on. That's just my opinion. Outside of that, though, I think Chet is a really, really good pickup for any team. He blocks the ball. He rebounds well. He, you know, has a little bit of playmaking. He can, he can, he can do a little bit of everything. I don't, I don't think his shooting is there yet, but I would be 100% fine picking up Chet Holmgren if we know that Mitchell Robinson is not going to come back. I would not start him until we have, until he is, just has just a little bit more meat on his bones. He doesn't have to be bulky. He doesn't have to do the Mitch thing, I don't think, because I think his I think his defensive IQ is higher than Mitch's. His positioning, his ability to get blocks, his timing, everything that Chet does is already mentally way better than than Mitch. While on top of that, also being seven foot, you know, seven foot uh center who has long arms that, that he can use to block shots and also being, you know, a little bit agile and all of that, all of those things. So I, he's already got kind of that step ahead of Mitch. The only thing that Mitch really has on him right now is the athleticism, the ability to jump out the gym and the, 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 the weight, the ability to go up against the bigger centers in the league, the, the heftier centers in the league. Chet usually can hold his own even against the heftier centers that he's played up against. But when you get into the NBA, I feel like he's that is where that limitation is going to rear its head. And he's going to have to gain weight for that. So, yeah, if Mitch is gone, I like Chet. I think that you have to keep him walk, keep him coming off of the bench. As I said earlier, I would have him start. I would have Jericho Sims start, excuse me. I would have Jericho Sims start until Chet is able to take the reins midway through the season once he's got that conditioning up to par. And you just work with him. You know, I think that he he's a guy who can contribute now, but also happens to be a project in terms of you trying to get his NBA body ready. And last but not least, out of the top four, I have Paolo Banchero. Paolo Banchero is definitely one of those guys who usually is in the top two, very worst top three. 19 years old. I, I call him superior value Julius Randle. And I think that he is probably the most likely out of these four to be rookie of the year. I, so I've said, I've, I wrote down that he probably has the lowest ceiling. I'm not, I'm probably going to go back on that. Actually, I, I do think Chet probably has the lowest ceiling out of the four of them, but out of the other, I think out of the four of them, Paolo, Ivy and, and uh, Smith, Jabari Smith, I think that all, th all three of those guys can become stars in this league playing the way that they do. If they can improve upon their weaknesses. Paolo Banchero, on the other hand, you know, the thing with him, though, is that out of all four of these guys, he's the guy who made it deep into the in, into March Madness. He his offensive skill set 
He's a 6'10 guy who can dribble the ball, who can who can pound the ball, he can go into the paint, he can he can uh, shoot from the mid range a little bit. He has a little bit, you know, he's not great from three, but he he does take shots from. He can pass the ball. He can play make. He's he's the guy out of everybody who seems to be a little bit further into the development of his skills. Out of everybody, so you know where Jaden Ivey, his playmaking ain't you know isn't great for his position. Paolo Banchero's playmaking is already great. Uh, Jabari Smith can't finish in 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 the paint. Banchero is already amazing by in, in finishing in the paint. He's one of the best finishers at his position. He's six ten, just like Jabari Smith. He's you know he's not the sniper that Jabari Smith is, and that is kind of the difference. So it depends on what you really value. Um, his defense still leaves much to be desired in terms of the consistency, which again. Superior value, Julius Randle. Shooting from three isn't great. You know, I, I am least interested in him because of the fact that I call him superior value, Julius Randle. I'm probably least interested in him as a as a draft prospect out of the four. I don't have the info that the front office has, and if they think that they can tap into Banchero and make him a better version of Julius Randle from last year, you know, they sign me up. But um, I, I really, you know, we've seen how this this, this that type of forward has panned out here in in New York, and I think we're all willing to. I think we're kind of tired of seeing that style of play. I don't think that style of play really is good for this current team as currently constructed, especially with RJ Barrett still on the team. I think if you, if you draft Paolo Banchero, you kind of have to choose between him and RJ, which one is going to be the face of your organization until a star comes. And that's the thing. I, I think out of the four of these, Paolo Banchero is the one guy that if you if you don't believe in RJ Barrow, you pick him up. If you do believe in RJ Barrett, you look at one of these other guys to play alongside of him and they can share that face of the organization. I don't think that RJ can share that face of the organization with Paolo Banchero. Just too many too much overlap, too much too much Julius Randle in him, not in the bad way, just offensively his style of play looks just like Julius Randle except a lot less jump shooting, a lot less poor jump shots, uh, a lot more points in the paint. He does like have a nice spin move. His spin move is much better than Julius Randle's. His playmaking at this at the age that he is now, if he can improve upon it, his playmaking will be Julius better than Julius Randle's. And Julius Randle's already a very good playmaker. So a lot of I, I'm framing this kind of negatively for Bonchero. Bonchero is going to be a very good player in this league. I would not be surprised to see him becoming a multi multiple time All Star. I I just also wouldn't be surprised to see Ivy become a multiple time All Star. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jay, Jabari Smith become a multiple time All Star. So you know it, it's 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 not an easy choice if. You know, if I had my, you know, 
if I had the control of the front office, I don't know what I would do if I was in the top four. This would probably be my ranking of these guys would probably be the wrong one. You know, I pro- a lot of guys have this list in the reverse order with Bonchero being the first guy and J.D. and Ivy being the fourth guy. But I- I'm just trying to think about what would be best for this Knicks team in the long run. So that is the top four picks in the draft that the I in my order of you know where if where if the Knicks are picking my order of how they should pick regardless of whether they are one through four with the caveat that if the Knicks are at one I think it's a tough choice between Jaden Ivey and Jabari Smith um and I you know I'll let the front office make that choice if they happen to get that number one pick but Anywhere else, I'm picking Jaden Ivey and, and calling it a day. So now we have, I'm going to list off four guys that are potential picks at five to eight that the Knicks probably would have to trade up to get all of these guys. I have not seen any of these guys fall much past 10th. All of these guys, I don't expect to be there at 11. I would love for one of these guys to fall to 11. Um, uh, last week, I, I, I think I said that Keegan Murray is not is a guy that's not going to fall to us. But I, the same thing, I think, applies to the rest of these guys. I talked about Shannon Sharp last week as a really potential guy that could fall to us. But I think that everybody is just too caught up in his upside to really let him fall that far. Can I see him fall? Yes. Can I see him fall to 11? Eh, I don't know about that. And that's not, that has nothing to do with, with what he's shown us because he has not played one minute of college basketball, right? He's 18 years old, six foot six, and still finds himself five or six in a lot of these mock drafts. Like you would think that a guy who hasn't played one minute of college basketball, not because of injury, just because he, he, he joined the team late halfway through the season and then elected not to play you I'm surprised that he's still so high on so many boards he's another athletic guard who uses his skills on both ends of the court he also has deep shooting range so you know potentially if he were playing this year you might see him be a clear number five or even uptake Jaden Ivey you know in the top four if he were playing if if that high school tape translates to college, you might have seen him in the top four had he played. He was definitely going to be a top pick next year when everybody was thinking that he was going to enroll, you know, put his name into the draft. But his upside is so high that he is most likely going to get picked in the top seven, guaranteed. And that's just off upside. I can't really speak too much to what he's going to be in the league because he hasn't played basketball, organized basketball in so long. And I have no tape on anything from him in college. Everything I've seen in tape from him in high school and all that stuff, he looks like a guy who is just leagues better than everybody else on the court. So it's very hard to kind of get a, 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 a read on that type of thing. From what I could see, he's a guy who I think could slot right in onto this team as a shooter, as a finisher, as a, as a, as a dunker, as somebody who's great in transition, uh, as a defender. 
yeah, I, I'm pretty high on Shade and Sharp if what he's already shown translates to the NBA game. Next up, I have Keegan Murray, a 21-year-old uh, wing who is great in transition and great finisher, but he's not, he doesn't have enough creation ability or playmaking ability to justify him being as high as he's going to be, in my opinion. I like Keegan Murray for us at 11, but six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I, I, yeah, I'm not trading up for Keegan Murray. I'll just say that. He has good game. He's going to be a, a, a good player in this league, but I think his ceiling is capped. And you don't trade up for a guy whose ceiling is capped. You trade up for a guy who you think can be an all-star, you know, high-level starter. But I don't think that that is, I don't think that that's guaranteed for Keegan Murray. Benedict Matherin, on the other hand, my next guy, 19 years old, 6'7 guard with some upside potential. He's an off-ball dynamo with on-ball potential, and he is decent defensively. That is a guy that if the Knicks can't trade up for him, if they think that he is going to be a star in this league, yeah, make that trade, right? You move up for a Shade and Sharp. You move up for a Benedict Matherin. But I am, yeah, uh, I, I, I like Matherin. If he falls to us at 11, I'd definitely take him over everybody else that I have listed here. I don't think he's going to fall to 11, but, you know, stranger things have happened. Lastly, we have A.J. Griffin, 18-year-old. His guard wing, he's a six foot six, but he's not really, he's probably going to be a guard in the league. He's not really tall. He's a he's another sniper who shot about 45% from three this year. He really is great offensively when, when it comes to, you know, if you need a, if you need to make a shot, you need somebody to hit the three. That's the guy that you have on the team, but he's injury prone already. He's had lots of injuries over the past few years and he's only 18. So, and it's it sucks to hear this, but you know from everything that I've I've read and seen, he's not very athletic, and he used to be, which means that injuries have kind of sapped some of his athleticism already. So I yeah I'm not trading up for AJ Griffin as 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 good as he is. He does have an NBA ready body. He's built like a guy who's just who can just play for you know thirty six thirty eight minutes on an NBA court, but you know, when you have such as, you know, injury history, when you're that young, I, I hope he can get past it. And if the Knicks think he can get past it and he can add to the skills that he already has in this league. Yeah, maybe I can see it, but it's just way too many questions for me to just automatically say, yeah, trade up for him. If he falls to you at 11, take him. Once again, this guy who falls to you at 11, yeah, take him. But I'm not I'm not so sure about trading up for him with all of the questions surrounding him. Unless he blows you away with what you see off, you know, off the film. Yeah, don't take that risk. 
All right. So we are down to our realistic options at 11. Before I get into those realistic options, I just want to remind y'all, um, I, I made this list based on the fit that I think that each of these guys has as a member of a starting lineup featuring Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, and maybe Mitch. Uh, I'm not saying that these guys are the top 15 or 16 or 14, however many guys I have here. I'm not saying that this is the order of how good they are. This is just my personal choice as far as fit with the team. I'm also going to try to prioritize upside potential, right? Upside potential with, as far as do I think that they have the potential to, you know, be a starter, be an all-star, be a superstar. I am not, I'm not, you know, into making a pick in the lottery who, you know, for a guy who I think their ceiling is capped at low level starter, right? I think that the guys that the Knicks should be looking at, you have to say, well, if you draft this guy, he's going to be in the starting lineup. Point blank, period. Now, I know that I said earlier, Chet could, you know, come in and come off the bench or whatever, but that is not because he's not a starter level talent. It's because I think that you have to build his physical body. I think his talent and his skills, he's already a starter, but you need to bring him in along slowly. That is the that is not the rule there being being put to 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 use there with Chet Holmgren. Right? At the end of the season, they need to be a starter point blank period. And I have two guys who I think that if the Knicks draft them, they can be starters on this team. One of them definitely has a capped ceiling. They're probably never going to be an all-star, but I, I do think that they can be a starter and a high-level starter for this team and in the league. And the other one, I think, is definitely a gamble, a risk that you take with high upside potential. And at this stage in the game, assuming everybody above above him has been taking... I really see that he's probably the only guy who has all-star potential at that spot at let that you can take at eleven. And then I'm gonna list of you know some other guys. I'll just briefly talk about them. You know, one of which is a guy who I was thought about talking about more, as I said earlier, but I opted not to. And then other guys, I'll tell, I'll say I don't think that they're worth a lottery pick or. Um, you know, there's other reasons why they're lower on my list than these two. So the first guy I'll talk about is the safe pick. Unpopular <laughs> in a lot of draft boards and even with amongst Knicks people, Dyson Daniels. The 19-year-old comes from 19-year-old Australian who is currently in the G League, plays for the G League Ignite. And the case to be made for drafting Dyson is his multi-positional capability, right? He started off the year 6'6", but he's grown two inches. He's 6'8 now. 
And his value as a tall guard who can run the offense as a secondary option is high. He played point guard in Australia. He's playing point guard for the G League Ignite. He's not going to be a point guard in the league, but the fact that he capably runs that position is something that you can't overlook. That doesn't mean he's going to be, you draft him to be the starting point guard for the Knicks, but he can play that. He can play that role and you can still start him next to it quickly. You can still start him next to RJ and he's going to slot right in. He's, he's an extremely good defender who can guard positions one through three, maybe even some fours if he gains some. He's got high level feel on offense, great potential as a connector. Much like Lonzo Ball, a lot of people wanted us to get Lonzo Ball and have him be our starting point guard. If you like Lonzo Ball and, you know, he's, you know, as a starting point guard, you're probably going to like Dyson Daniels. Now, Lonzo Ball is probably never going to be an all-star, and that's perfectly fine. Does that mean that 11 is too high of a pick for Dyson Daniels? You're, I mean, you may find so, but... in a draft like this, I think that you have to pick a guy who just his potential as a, what he can be on your team. You kind of have to prioritize that. And I think he can come in and slot right in as a starter and he can help this team immediately. It's not going to be an all-star. As I said, if you are only picking potential all-stars in the draft, okay. It, like, I'm... <laughs> that's how a lot of people pick and that's perfectly fine. But you also kind of have to realize that if you're picking guys who you're hoping to be an all-star and they become a bust, that that's a wasted pick. In my opinion, that would be the case against drafting a, a, a McCall bridges. And now looking back at it, most of us would have picked McCall Bridges over Kevin Knox, even though the Kevin Knox was the high upside pick at the time. But back to Dyson Daniels, his shooting hasn't been great. The potential is there. He's very polished offensively, though. He can get to the paint. He knows what he wants to do in the paint. He can knock. He's got a beautiful floater. He he finishes. He's going to have to work on the shooting, though, if he, if he wants to be next to RJ and Mitchell Robinson. So assuming Mitchell Robinson stays here, you have to have to work on the shooting and be a good shooter so that RJ has the space to work down, down low if he needs to. The fit next to quickly RJ and Toppin, though, I think is tremendous, especially if the Knicks replace Mitch with a big who can shoot. I think it maintains a strong defensive foundation with enough passing and shooting to make the Knicks a tough team to play against. He is, without a doubt, the best defender in this draft in the, on the perimeter. I, I don't think that, I think everywhere I've read, you know, regardless of how you feel about Dyson Daniels, the defense is the one thing that just impresses everyone. So, I think if your defense is that good, that kind of merits you being a lottery pick. Uh, and he, you make this pick if you believe all of the star players at this range have been picked already, which, you know, I would say yes. That Assuming that you've gotten down this far, probably all of the star players have been picked. 
And, and the ones that haven't been picked, those are the guys that have all of the questions that you're going to have to work with anyway. And you could probably get them later on in the draft. Daniels is going to be a star player. And if you're worried about the optics of drafting a player with low, uh, player with low upside, then you're not going to have the stomach to draft him here. But he's a good NBA player already and fills holes the Knicks currently have. The next guy that I have, this is my high upside pick. And very unknown right now. Somebody's going to watch this and they're probably going to laugh at me. And I would not be surprised if in two years I'm looking back and like, Dag, why was I hyping up this guy? But the 18-year-old Usman Jiang is 6'10 with a 7'1 wingspan. He's brimming with potential on both ends of the court. He's going to have to play the three until he gets his strength up. But that's probably his best position regardless. He pretty much can do anything. Like he... He's a play. He has playmaking potential. He can guard the two through four with fluidity. He he can play the two through four. Like he can dribble the ball a little bit. He can pass the ball. He can shoot. Even though he started the year shooting very poorly, he finished with a much improved offensive game overall. Um. Yeah, this is the upside play if you're here. If you believe in Jenk. He seemingly can do it all, you, you know, if you give him the patience and you, and you give him the tools that he needs and you give him, you put him in, you know, NBA conditioning, high risk, high bust potential, but also high reward if he, if he, if he, if he um, figures it all out. He plays in a league full of grown men at 18, and that's a lot of the reason why he started off so poorly, but the fact that he's able to turn his game around even with you know his, some of his physical issues, as far as him being kind of a weaker player, he doesn't seem to have a lot of muscle yet. Get him in an NBA conditioning routine and, and and plug him into that early practice with Tibbs and see what happens. See what his limit is. See what he's able to do. I already he he already seems to be making a lot of the reads that he needs to make as you know an eighteen year old ball player. You know. Put him around all all these other guys, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin. Have him be a part of the, or be a part of that group and learn and and get better. And I could see him being having higher upside than RJ Barrett if he's able to if he's able to do that. He's tall enough. He's tall enough, and he 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 he's skilled enough to, and he's athletic enough to get by with just that right where he can do everything he can threaten you from everywhere he can pass he can shoot he can dribble you know sign me up right and he can defend so Usman Jang is a guy that I'm really looking to see where where he's going to be drafted I want to see how he how he shows out in the combine would not be surprised if he shows enough to actually move up from a realistic option at 11 to being, you know, in that top 10 range. Do I don't think it's going to happen because I still think that it, with the conditioning and his, some of his, the lack of, you know, ability, you know, when it comes to strength is going to keep him out of that top 10. You know, he's not a very strong player. He gets pushed around a lot. 
And I think teams are going to see that. They're going to see some of these more NBA-ready bodies, and that's going to keep Usman out of the top 10. But if you if you want a tall guy who can shoot, dribble, pass, and defend, hey, that's the guy I'm taking. But there's another guy who I'm not going to talk too much about him, but he is more loved than Usman Jang in most of these draft boards. And that's Jeremy Sohan. He's 18 years old, 6'9", multi-positional forward, just like Usman Jang. But he has actually proven more in his time in college. He, he's a guy who can potentially guard one through five. And is definitely the safer pick than Jang. I don't foresee Sohan becoming an all-star at all but some people do i I think that sohan is has kind of like that dennis rodman mold where you know he goes out there he defends hard he he works hard he does everything that he can on the court he leaves it all on the court but i don't know something about his game just screams that he is a safe pick um for the team and I would be happy to have him on this team if if the front office doesn't think that Jeng is that good if the front office isn't enthused with picking a Dyson Daniels at 11 Sohan is the is the pick there I I could make the I I can make the argument to myself about taking Jeremy Sohan over both of those guys but yeah, he's a six nine multi-positional forward who can guard one through five. What what can I say? You can plug him right into this lineup, and I don't think I, I don't think the shooting is there, but you know you can always work with that. Next up, you got Johnny Davis, twenty year old six five scoring guard who can defend. I just don't think that his offense is going to translate when he gets into the. I think it's going to cost somebody their job if he's picked too high. Actually, I I see him mocked you know, six, seven in some places. And yeah, I don't, I think that if you take Johnny David Davis that high, I, he'd better show out because if you don't, you probably lose your job picking, picking him. I, he's good. I think that he can be good. I think that he can be a functional guard. I just don't see him being a functional guard starting until he cleans up some some of the stuff in his game. And I yeah, I don't know if he's going to be able to do I don't I don't think that he can. That's just something that I'm seeing in his game. That's not based on anything that I can readily point out to you right now. But if he's here at eleven, then he probably should or could be picked here. And I don't think it would be a bad pick if he's picked at eleven. To be to be fair, I just think that somebody, I think picking him in the mid lotto as opposed to the late lotto, I think that's. We've also last week I do believe we talked about an Ochai, a twenty-two year old guard, six-five with a six-ten wingspan. He's got high three and D potential, but another very low ceiling guy. I don't think that he's worth a lottery pick the more that I will look at his game. Although I do think that he is NBA ready. I think he can contribute to an NBA team. 
I just don't think he's worth the lottery pick. And last, I have Jalen Duran, the 18-year-old 6'11 center, who I feel like, yeah, this is probably the only center worth grabbing at 11 if you're going to get one at this spot. I personally wouldn't draft a center at 11. Um, I think that you can get incredible value from a center. you know, And we have gotten incredible value from centers in the second round. Mitchell Robinson was a second-round draft pick. Jericho Sims was a second-round draft pick. It was a late second-round draft pick. And I I I just don't like the idea of picking a center at 11 unless he's a guy who has just all-star potential offensively. And Jalen Duran isn't that guy. I think he has potential. I think he can be a serviceable center. I think he can be a really good center. Maybe he could even attention, you know, essentially, eventually be an all-star center. I I don't know, and that that's what makes him the only guy worth grabbing here, because you can still say I don't know if he's going to be an all-star, but he could be potentially. He he could fill in the holes in his game, and he could be that guy. He 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 does. He's not limited in his offensive game, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how I feel. If the if the front office likes him enough, then they'll pick him here. All right. So that is my draft board for the Knicks. Or the top four, if they happen to get into it, my order for the top four: Jaden Ivey, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Banchero, or Banchero. Then I have the potential picks if the Knicks wanted to trade up to get a guy. Shaden Sharp, Keegan Murray, Benedict Matherin, and A.J. Griffin. And my realistic options at 11, you can put this in whatever order you want. I just talked about the guy, the two guys that I would pick if I were the Knicks at that spot. Dyson Daniels, Usman Jang, Jeremy Sohan. Johnny Davis, Ochai Akbaji, and Jalen Dury. There's a few other guys that I did not mention that probably should get some 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 recognition, but I'm going to save that for French if he has a different list for me, which he probably does. He probably doesn't have a couple of these guys in his list. I'm going to save that for French, though. All right. Let's move on to elsewhere in the NBA. Second round of the NBA playoffs. Western Conference semis, the Mavericks and the Suns are tied at 2-2. Jalen Brunson had a poor showing in the first two game in the first two losses, but he played mostly well in the two wins, scoring 28 points and 18 points respectively. So, yeah, that's that's an <laughs> actually all of these series as we get into have been pretty tight. Warriors go up 2-1 against the Memphis Grizzlies in a chippy series that's already seen two injuries occur, Gary Payton in the second fell hard on a on a foul and yeah I, I, he's probably out for the playoffs and John Morant in the last game he got injured when his bad knee got swiped at and he's probably out for the next game uh, for game four so that's that may that may be uh, something that is going to 
decide this series if John Moran can't come back in a timely fashion. Eastern Conference semis, the Heat and the 76ers are also tied at 2-2 after Embiid makes the return from injury, from the injury that he suffered in the first round. He had a facial uh, injury required him to put on a mask, but he also suffered a concussion. And the Bucks are up 2-1 to the Boston Celtics in a tight series. Uh, game three was decided in basically the final minute and almost went into overtime, except the tip-in didn't go in until after the buzzer. So it wasn't tipped in until after the buzzer. So that's a tight series. It's, it could just as easily be Boston up 2-1 as it is Bucks up 2-1. That's probably going seven, if I had to guess. That's probably going to out of all four out of all four of these game series, this series is probably the one that I would bet money is going seven and walking to the bank after making that bet. All right, y'all. Hopefully I didn't bore you guys too much. Hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed this episode. Please hit the like, the subscribe button. Please go to uh, wherever it is that you listen or watch me, my brother French, watch this podcast, leave a comment, leave, leave us some tips, leave us, leave us some commentary. Let us know how you feel about us. Let us know some things that we can do. Once again, like, subscribe, you know, all the five-star ratings, everything that you can do, please do for us. Once again, thank you for listening to... That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.